Bob Sorensen's going to be back today on the podcast, Logical Fallacies Part 2. Welcome to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. Welcome back to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. Well, you learned something last time, didn't you? This old cowboy <laughs> here, I got a mouth on me and I ain't afeard to use it. And boy, did I talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, picking up where we left off last time, um, well, actually, you mentioned before we started today that you had a few things you want to talk about right away. So, yeah, fire away. Yeah, I'm not clear on what we're what we did cover last time and because we wound up talking before and after quite a bit too but um i wanted to say that there are people who want to tell you what to think and i learned and agree with other people that we want to tell people how to think and to equip christians to use critical thinking skills people need to learn how to look at assumptions and assertions and see if somebody's saying anything factual, they'll come along and just make a remark. Think, okay, is is that a fact? Is it true or just an opinion expressed as a fact? Are they using conjecture? And now atheists and evolutionists do this kind of thing all the time, and people are deceived. They think evolution's proved, and they've been manipulated into thinking that. And another problem is that too many people quote think with their emotions. And they're subject to emotional manipulation. And they'll wind up thinking, oh, I reached this conclusion by thinking it through. And actually they were tricked into it. And for that matter, we have so many false teachers in these mega churches and things, or just small neighborhood cults or big cults. And a lot of it is emotional appeal. And they're going to say things that may make people feel good, make them think they're important, you're a part of the one true church, TM, and <laughs> some other kind of aspect that goes for their pride or just make them feel good or some other emotional manipulations, and they lack discernment and cannot reason from the Bible and spot the fallacies. Now, I'm, I'm really big on the logic stuff, but we can't get so wrapped up in it that we forget to be human. And Everybody's going to have opinions and assert them. We can't be sterile and clinical all the time, and we've got our biases and want to express what we think and feel, and that's just the way it is. Now, a more challenging setting like a debate or an essay or something, uh, we can add the point, I believe, or in my opinion, so it's just clear that you're expressing your opinion, and it's just me talking, and I'm not trying to prove a point. And I think I mentioned last time about the fallacy that I uh, thought I made up, where it's just the prove-it fallacy. Every time you say something, somebody's going to say, back it up. We can't have a conversation. Also, I mentioned that I'm a presuppositionalist, but that handle is misunderstood. We use evidence, 
and evidentialists, people who rely mostly on evidence for their arguments, they do use presuppositions. But the difference is, I refuse to put God on trial and let the wisdom of the mighty atheist, let him use in his fallen wisdom to decide if God exists and is worthy of worship. Well, the Bible makes it clear that they are at enmity with God, and they hate him and they hate us. Basically, they hate God in us. You did, you've interviewed some people that I really admire. You had Jason Lyle, who mm. got me into presuppositional apologetics, and I hope you get around to reading that book, Ultimate The Proof. Ultimate Proof. Yes, because I read it and... I've listened to his audios on it uh, several times to really get it to sink in. He's not one of the hardcore precepts, because some of them are really kind of off the wall. But I was getting prepped for this for years in advance. I was reading material from Answers in Genesis, Creation Ministries International. They use it to some extent, or they use it. Eric Hovind is a presuppositionalist. And I think to some extent, Institute for Creation Research uses it. Huh. And so it's just using it in a presuppositional framework so we're honoring God's word and not going to the so-called neutral ground that really doesn't exist. Right. Uh, if it was about evidence, we'd all be biblical creationists, but it's a spiritual matter. I think it was Eric Hovind who asked an atheist at the so-called reason rally, if he could conclusively prove to him that God exists, would he worship God? And the atheist said, no way, I'm not going to worship it. And then he gave a bunch of irrational uh, excuses and prejudicial conjecture as to why not. Now, we all have our worldviews and our assumptions that make them up. A lot of them are just not things that are subjected to scientific analysis and all this, just Things we, quote, know are true. How do we know they're true? But that's what we operate from. Uh, difference between evolutionists and intelligent design proponents and biblical creationists is they use probabilities, and Christians operate from certainties. The Bible is true, and we're not backing off on that. And I think that's one of the reasons that uh, atheists and evolutionists hate people who use presuppositional approaches is because we're not going to compromise. When I was preparing for this, I remembered a story about um, how people operate from their worldviews, and a professor's giving a lecture, and he puts a flea on a table, and he orders it to jump. So, doing the flea jumps. Hooray. And then the mean guy cuts off its legs, and he says, jump. Flea doesn't move. So the professor proclaims to his students, I have now proved that by cutting off a flea's legs, the creature is rendered completely deaf. <laughs> so that shows actually some of the fallacies. You don't take all of the evidence into consideration. Uh, now, everybody's got a rescuing device. We all argue from our worldviews, so we're going to draw from them when something's challenging us and say, wait a minute, uh, I want to refute that and offer this opinion or uh, something that I know. And that that's just normal. The trouble is that atheists and evolutionists do that to irrational extremes. 
Uh, one guy said, if you find human and dinosaur fr- footprints in the same rock layers, then I'll believe that people from the future have learned time travel. <laughs> so why somebody decided to go back and mess around in the mud with a dinosaur nearby, I wouldn't know, but they were just not taking the, following where the evidence leads in that case and using the presupposition that there's no way dinosaurs and humans lived at the same time. And it's their <laughs> commitment to materialism. Now, um, I was telling you before that I've been having some attacks from atheists and so forth, and it's really been cranking up lately. And I think part of it is because they know that they're losing the battle, and especially with Pluto and other planets and moons showing signs of a young solar system. And on the flip side, soft tissues and uh, carbon-14 and in dinosaur soft tissues, uh, that sort of thing, they're, just, they're getting pummeled with evidence that they don't want to accept. Right, right. And I've had stalkers follow me around, libel me on the web, trying to poison the well against me among Christians and other thinking people. And the atheists will swarm Amazon with one-star reviews. Here's a creationist book. Oh, that's one star and it's pure junk. And there are a couple people who have bragged about refuting Dr. Sarfati's greatest hoax on Earth, uh, which is a refutation of Dawkins' greatest show on Earth. By the way, Dawkins admitted he had assumed evolution was true in all of his previous books, and that one was meant to prove evolution. So Sarfati tears that down, and people are tearing down Sarfati with one-star reviews, and they admit they hadn't even read the book. <laughs> Boy, isn't that the truth? That's so sad. Yeah, I actually got the opportunity to uh, talk to Dr. Sarfati uh, about that very book. I and, know. <laughs> uh, what a what a fun time. What a, I mean, just an incredibly brilliant man. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, just shredded the greatest show on earth uh, in that 45 minutes to an hour that we had together. Um, yeah, loved it. But, yeah, the fact that people will actually go on to Amazon – uh, and in a sense, they'll spam. They'll they'll write reviews for books they've never even read and give them one star just to, like you said, poison the well. Can, in fact, can you explain what poisoning the well is really quick? Well, it's deep. There I go again. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bad reputation to maintain. But uh, poisoning the well is... Usually it's a preemptive strike, and the whole concept is kind of obvious, especially uh, uh, cowboys knew about this stuff, that they go out and there's a watering hole and somebody didn't want, and they wanted to get them, so they put poison in the water, kill the other people and their livestock or whatever, and it's a preemptive strike, and it's just to give a bad feeling or bad impression to other people so it's an attempt to negate what you have to say, so you can't even get there. So you're going to get on Amazon, see all these one-star reviews for a creationist book, and think, oh, this must be junk. By the way, that's 
one reason that uh, I don't review there anymore. I, I, I write my own because Amazon's review system has become a joke because they don't take complaints seriously. Uh, people who haven't even read it just writing out of hate. But this uh, poisoning the well, it's, it's kind of tricky sometimes because it can be done with the ad hominem attacks where they're just saying something bad about you. And, uh, well, okay, we're going to listen to a lecture from this anti-science creationist. Uh, there you go, poisoning the well with an ad hominem. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, a lot of these fallacies overlap. And and I want to point out my one of my biggest concerns is for people just to be able to step back and say, wait a minute, something's not right. Let's get to the point and not be taken for a ride on this. Right. Um, I had a note on that that people will we'll, we'll point out Newton, Isaac Newton was a creationist. And they'll come up with, well, Newton was not a Trinitarian, and he was into the occult, therefore his negation, his creationist views are negated. And the thing like creationist science deniers, and um, they refer to Ken Scam. You know, it makes all this stuff together with ridicule and all this, and those assertions about Newton are false. I mean, he was a Trinitarian, for instance. He tended to get a little mystical, but that doesn't negate the truth of what he had to say. In fact, I had something earlier today. Uh, somebody was quoting Dr. John MacArthur, or citing him in a way. He said, MacArthur said that you can take the mark of the beast and still be saved afterwards, which meant if he had said that and if he, they got the right context, and if they can biblically refute it, they're still saying, okay, I'm not going to be listening to this article or this sermon that he had about um, the Master's College being bullied by a threatened lawsuit because they said something against homosexuality. So they're using this particular doctrinal point that may or may not be true to poison the well against MacArthur, and they're not going to listen to anything he has to say. Mm. Right. Um, yeah, that that blows me away. And yeah, that whole thing with John MacArthur. And uh, in fact, I've heard Brandon House make very similar comments. Jimmy DeYoung, um, uh, this idea that uh, you can get the mark and still potentially be saved. Yeah, that is kind of scary. That's really heated up the Internet quite a bit. Um, I see where they're coming from because the, the scripture does say, if you get to Mark and worship the beast, uh, you know, then you're in, in deep trouble. So they're saying, well, you have to do both. I, I hear what they're saying, but it, it is a little nerve wracking. Um, yeah. I think the I, I, said that they have to, um, people get the Mark. It may be in theory possible to still be saved, but they're not likely to want to be because they're going to have that kind of a mindset. So in a way, right, right. Not worth it. I, I <laughs> Right. I mean, I, I suppose, and I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I, well, okay, put it this way. Personally, I would not say that. <laughs> I would not have the guts to say that a person potentially could have the mark 
and still be saved. Uh, I, I don't see that from the scriptures, but I suppose I, I see where their argument's going, and I suppose there is that possibility. I personally wouldn't teach it. I would say avoid that thing, even if it costs you your life, um, even if it gives you a heads up. Um, or heads off. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, because, yeah, it's it's just a dangerous position. But anyway, wow, that was a rabbit trail. Um, well, uh, that it's still kind of close that uh, the, still with the poisoning the well and that sort of thing, but people will make assertions of something that they don't know anything about. So <clears throat> I can just launch from that into the appeal to authority because that is one of the things that uh, happens quite a bit that uh, scientists say, well, yeah, one of my favorite things is Scientists say that 95% of people are more likely to believe something if they're told that scientists say it. And it's just, okay, <laughs> what scientists, what's the authority, and, and that sort of thing. And sometimes it's valid. I mean, you have to appeal to some kind of authority to uh, support your position. But when it gets to a point of they're just constantly badgering you with, here's my proof for evolution, and there's citing um, angry, emotion-laden quotes from Dawkins and Krauss and uh, Tyson and Nye and all these people. Like, oh, wait a minute, what kind of authority are we getting here? But also, the more important part of appeal to authority is when somebody's going to refer to uh, somebody that is not an authority in that kind of thing, like, my mechanic's a great guy, has a very logical mind and can analyze stuff, but I'm not going to ask him about the epistemology of atheism and, and ask him to show me how atheism is incoherent, lacking the necessary preconditions of intelligibility that biblical worldview provides. And I've had some people with this kind of stuff, you will want to discuss philosophy of atheism. I use those... Uh, expensive words and like, wait a minute oh, hey, you want to discuss philosophy that's part of it but anyway i use um, <laughs> my mechanic isn't going to be able to deal with that kind of stuff and i've had some we mentioned double standards before that i've quoted or people will quote atheists like dawkins and krauss and uh Bill Nye and all this kind of thing. I think, okay, they focus on their areas. Then they're going to quote them on matters of theology. Wait a minute. Uh, that's an appeal to authority that has no bearing on the issue at hand if you're discussing theology. And right. with the double standards, it was uh, somebody told me, well, they've studied it so they can talk about it. Oh, really? So I can't talk about it, even though I I can't talk about evolution and why it's wrong, even though I've studied it. <laughs> so, so the appeal to authority is getting into um, who's saying it, are they qualified, and also sometimes you're just going to get pummeled with stuff and you can't even have a discussion. And some of these people will just throw links at you. <laughs> That's never happened to me before. <laughs> you say something and you get about three links thrown at you and you're going, okay, what do I do with this? 
I'm going to get lost in these links for hours. Uh, and when I come back with some kind of a, a counter argument, they're going to throw more links at me or what? That's just it. <laughs> and, well, that's part of the presuppositional thing that I was, I had learned that you go and you give an argument against somebody and they're going to come back with somebody that's got a master's. Okay, you come up with somebody with a PhD and they'll come back with somebody that's got a professorship and a bunch of PhDs. It just doesn't end. And whoever has the most degrees wins. No, it doesn't mean they're right. <laughs> um, but I, I wanted to mention that I think this is extremely important that we kind of touched on it a few times about arbitrary assertions. Mm -hmm. People will just say something. Just flat out, one of my favorites, one of my favorites for hating, and I try not to use the word hate lately, but I do hate this one, and that's the Bible is written by a bunch of ignorant goat herders. And oh. I think, when they write that, I could hear it in a cartoon voice. You know, it was written by ignorant goat herders, Lowey. Uh, yeah, sure, Skippy. But when somebody comes up with these kinds of things, or there's no evidence for Genesis or the global flood, but they're assuming evolution's a fact, and just, okay, no evidence that Jesus existed, that uh, all of Christianity was borrowed from pagan mystery religions, back up your claims. They want to keep us on the defensive and running for our lives and scared and intimidated. They're bullies. Uh, we can just stop them in their tracks and say, uh, can you back this up? Now, some of the evidence for the pagan mystery religions, even some atheists have been angry about this. It's like, would you guys cut it out? You're not even using anything resembling um, source documents. And the Christians who are looking it up and checking the uh, refuting our claims are making us look silly. So that's one of the keys for a, a faulty worldview. It's full of arbitrariness. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's just uh, something that I've uh, really big on. If they want to put us on the defensive, just turn it around. You make the claims, they should back it up. A part of that is what I, I used the words before, prejudicial conjecture. Somebody's mm -hmm. got an opinion um, and it's got a slant to it, it's negative, just like the ignorant Bronze Age goat herders thing. And it's nothing. They have not done their homework. Very seldom do these people do it. And they're just, they have an opinion, and they're going to express it whether you like it or not. And <laughs> now they're assuming, like, for instance, I read an attack on Ian Juby, and I liked, and by the way, uh, by the time this airs, my uh link to your four interviews with him on the Ham and Nye debate is going to have posted. Um, they'll admit that Ian Juby is intelligent. No kidding. Oh, yeah. He's smarter than the rest of us stupid, dumb creationists. But since he's intelligent and saying things against evolution, therefore he's a liar. Okay. <laughs> it's just... It's prejudicial conjecture and a little poisoning well and a little ad hominem there. And they put it forward as if it's um, a real fact. These people don't get their information about creationists and Christians from 
they get their information from anti-creationists and atheist sites who are going to tell us about what we say and think and believe. But they don't go to the source. Now, Aaron Ra is a hero to misotheists, but he's actually dreadful at logic. Ian Joby, again, he took him to task and refuted a bunch of uh, things that he had said. And it's in a, a video that Ian did. And Aaron Ra made a whole bunch of claims, didn't back any of them up. But because these atheists admire him so much, they were going with it and just saying, oh, look, Aaron Ra says Aaron Ra must know, and this must be a fact. And he has come out and said some things that are blatantly dishonest. And not only in Juby, don't need somebody that's in Mensa. Uh, uh, Bob Enyard, who's a preacher, had an interview with him. I had to shut the thing off because it was so annoying because Aaron Ra was busy playing all kinds of word games and uh, just stopping people in their tracks and that kind of thing. I had to ban him from my page, too. And he's just messing around and sneering and all this sort of stuff, but he does not have logical connections and doesn't back up his claims. So even uh, regular people or preachers can hold him at bay. So... What about this hasty generalization? What exactly is that? Well, I'm, I'm actually not too thrilled with the name, but you've got to use it because it's so well established. But right. It's uh, using stuff that's just, there's not enough of it. You're going to get just a little bit of evidence. And, okay, uh, one of the hasty generalizations that so many atheists will use is the Westboro Baptist Church. You'll see them picketing soldiers' funerals and holding hateful messages up. And so these atheists will say, look, see, that's the way Christians are. Take a small sample and spread it out and make it a complete generalization. Or you said you came out of a, I think you called it a hyper-charismatic background? Yes, yep. And there are people who will be drunk in the spirit and acting like idiots and prophesying nonsense into the microphone. And there's, I, I don't remember the one, but Christopher Roseboro talked about this one prophetess loves to say, shut up, whatever that is. But they'll pick on these people and just use it as a generality. It's like, this is the way all Christians are. Instead of uh, pointing out, this particular group is nutty. <laughs> and if they knew, if these critics knew anything about the Bible, they'd say, uh, the Bible does not support that kind of behavior. It talks about order and glorifying Christ, not glorifying self. And it, it's so easy to do that you can just find something and pick a couple of instances and then assume the rest. I think we do it to ourselves, too. Oh, I'm never going to get to work on time. I've been late the first three days of this week. Uh, plan ahead. <laughs> you know, um, let's see, there's, I think I touched on elephant hurling one time. I'm not sure, but... I, I don't think we talked about that a whole lot. Well, that's something that 
Bill Nye did. Sometimes it's called machine gunning. It's a term that I learned fairly recently. I'm not really sure why they call it elephant hurling, but it's where, and I've had people do this to me a bunch of times. I'm just giving a bunch of excuses as to why they hate God. Even though they pretend he doesn't exist, he exists when it's convenient to hate him. And they'll just fire off a whole bunch of doubts or questions or statements of fact. Like, actually, I can deal with all of these, but you're firing these off so quick, I don't have time to spend an hour on each one that it would take. But they're using their own prejudicial conjecture and making these statements and bunching them up. And Bill Nye did the same kind of thing to Ken Ham, where it was in the two-minute response time. And I asked like five questions. You can't deal with any of those questions in two minutes, let alone all of them. And then these uh, atheists are going, yeah, Bill Nye, he's the science guy. He He won. Well, yeah, he won by using a bunch of outdated arguments that creationists have refuted years before, so he actually embarrassed himself. But he, right. He did a, He was very disingenuous and used many logical fallacies, including elephant hurling. Yes, he did. Yeah, he, he threw out so many different objections to the faith in a short amount of time, it takes you like five seconds to throw out an objection. It takes at least a few minutes uh, to give it a, a good, solid answer. And he and he knew that. It was a very underhanded, uh, sneaky maneuver. It was actually kind of a little bit shameful, if you ask me. But um, whatever the case, the atheists really enjoyed that. They felt like that gave them the upper hand. But uh, how do you deal with somebody who is hurling elephants, or sometimes I refer to it as steamrolling. Yeah, sometimes I had that uh, within the last day or two, and when it gets to that point, like, do you really want an answer? You can just pin them down. Say, do you really want to discuss this? Because what you're doing is elephant hurling or steamrolling or machine gunning. And uh, pick one and we can discuss it. Or sometimes, especially when they have such a sneering attitude and loaded terminology, uh, like how can you stupid creationists believe something as ridiculous that the earth is 6,000 years old and your magic man in the sky made everything in six days? Like, I'm going to cut you off right there because it's obvious you just came along to uh, mock and ridicule. But other times, narrow it down. If you want to talk, okay, we'll do one thing at a time, if you got time. Um, I heard somebody was in one of these pal talk chat rooms, which I'd, I'm not familiar with it, but I guess you can literally, it is a talk thing. You can use voices. And he'd get ganged up on by atheists and he says, okay, pick one to be a spokesman for you and I'll deal with this one, but I can't do everybody and all of these questions at once. And I think that's a good approach. It's just make them narrow it down and find, and just, Judge for yourself if they really want to talk or if they just want to make noise. Because I've given people some responses. I had a long engagement on on my older weblog, Stormbringer's Thunder, with an atheist, and he kept on going back and forth. And this went on for several days. 
And then all of a sudden, he, he, I guess he couldn't take it anymore. I had responses for him. And then he said, well, just let me find a section in hell that's furthest away from you Christo-fascists. Okay, hmm. the name-calling, I guess he panicked. <laughs> he wouldn't admit to it, but had something to say, and he didn't like it. And there's something I want to bring into this. It's some of these, they, So many of them just kind of slop together, but there's cause and effect. Now, we talked. Uh, did we talk about the either-or fallacy? You know what? Uh, no, we haven't. Like false dichotomy? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't think we talked about that. One sounds like some kind of pharma- pharmaceutical product, bifurcation. I think that's a term that uh, Jason Lyle uses. And that's just, first of all, either or. There are only two choices, and I was hit with this again today, that if you leave my comment standing, it will mean that you're willing to... Uh, admit that I'm right, if you delete my comment, then you will prove that you're a liar for Jesus. Now, I'm restating it, but I ran into that kind of thing again. It's an either-or thing. He will not uh, allow us to post our comments on a page or a site because he's afraid of our truth. And that's there are only two possibilities in there, and they're leaving out the possibility of the third, which is your comment was deleted or you are banned, not because of truth and not because of fear on my part, but because you're an obstreperous twit. <laughs> Just loaded terminology like a previous example I used and assertions and ridicule. I, think. I even have one of these memes funny, the word meme, it's just captioned picture, and it was based on a term that Richard Dawkins coined, and I don't think it's true. I, mean, I don't think it's correctly named if they go and look it up. But I had a captioned picture that said, not bad luck, Brian, but uh, scumbags something. <laughs> They've actually named several of them. And this guy is saying, gets banned from... A creation of site and then goes and tells his friends, I owned those creationist fundies. So they they get banned for good reasons, but there's the either or right there. He didn't tell the real reason that was going on. And now, similar to that, those cause and effect where you have the either or fallacy, which uses suppressed evidence. And like, it rained because Bill showed up, or uh, every time, can pick on Bill again, every time Bill shows up to the, the big game, we lose the game. Bill is a jinx. Well, there's your hasty generalization in it, too, but it's cause and effect. And it's just very limited because this happened, that happened. Now, I had a stalker, I went onto a forum, and he said, that I corrected something in an article because he pointed it out in that forum. The funny part was, I got there and read that after I'd corrected it. So it's just, <laughs> yeah, cause and effect, either or, suppressed evidence. It's a big mess, isn't it? But again, if people will just 
back off and take a look that we're getting taken for a ride and we're not being told the full story. And I mentioned red herring. That's the thing. It just all of this stuff. Some of this is distractions. Well, this scientist made a claim. Is he a real scientist or is he valid? Well, is what was said true? Or I said something. Well, you're not a scientist. I don't care. Is what I said true? Like, I'll make a statement from the Bible. Are you a theologian? No. I don't even play one on TV. But I do have something. I have truth to share. And to reject it just because of uh, who I am and appeal to authority and genetic fallacy. Wait a minute. Let's cut to the chase. Is it valid? Keep them on topic and keep them on point. I hammered that before and I want to hammer it again. I think it's flush with the board right now, but hoping people will get it because we don't need to be intimidated, threatened, and frightened by these um, mighty atheists who come along and make a bunch of sneering, arbitrary assertions and try to back us into a corner. Right. What about the argument from silence? I have nothing to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, um, I've got some uh, good ones on that. And actually, I've got a threefer because, again, they go together. You've got an argument from silence where I lost a debate one time. I was on Twitter and made some statements, and then I got done, went and watched TV for a while, had some popcorn and all that. I came back and checked in. The guy fired off a bunch of questions and things. I wasn't there to answer. I lost the debate that I didn't know I had, so it was all argument from silence. And this uh, guy I mentioned before, Hayward, the stalker, loves to employ this thing. He's constantly saying, he challenged me and saying, come on to this forum and discuss this point. Well, I'm not going to go on to your atheistic forum, anti-creationists. Uh, by the way, it's uh, British Center for Science Education, which is evolutionary indoctrination. He hates, so he says, censorship. And yet the whole purpose of that organization is to censor creationism. I just have to show that double standard. But the argument from silence was if I didn't come on there and deal with the whatever he wanted dealt with, therefore I'm admitting that I'm lying or wrong or something. And you're just putting words into somebody's mouth, somebody's mouth or saying, victory is mine, like Stewie Griffin. And <laughs> they're just, it, it's, what it doesn't... Okay, I, I used to use a form of it myself. The Bible does not say that there are no intelligent life forms elsewhere in the universe. It doesn't explicitly say that. Therefore, there may be. Well, I didn't, I didn't have a good handle on my theology, and I um, have left that position. Um, there are other theological reasons to believe that there is no other life in the universe. No need for that now, but it's just I used an argument from silence myself on that. Now, related to that is the argument from ignorance. And I posted something about the spiral arms of the galaxies, that the way they're going, they should just fly apart and uh, 
disintegrate and not have any kind of structure or order to them. And I actually took a screenshot of this. Somebody came along and said, what? I've never heard of this, and I've read lots of astronomy books. Well, if you'd followed the link I posted that was written by an astronomer, then you'd see where it came from. But just, I've never heard of it, therefore it's not true. And a third one now, I said it's a threefer, uh, <laughs> incredulity or outrage. I hate God because he flooded the world at the time of Noah and only spared eight people. Therefore, the Bible's false. Or there are different kinds of outrage. They're just mad about something or can't believe. It's just too amazing to fathom. So it's not true. And all three of these, silence, ignorance, and outrage, they all come down to some of the same thing. It's just people not wanting to deal with the thing, and you have to stop them and say, no, wait a minute, do you want to take this a little bit further and actually look at these topics? Now, I don't know where we're at on time, but I know you had a couple of things that were not exactly fallacies you wanted to discuss, so where are we at? <laughs> well, let's see, we're about 40-some minutes. Um, we got a little bit of time. What about What about a category mistake? Yeah, that's category mistake, category error. Uh, in a sense, you could say it's mixing apples and oranges. You're comparing things that should not be compared. Now, one of the best ones is, uh, give me scientific evidence for the existence of God. Wait, scientific, material, man-made, uh man-made uh, theories and practices to use the scientific method, whichever method you prefer. God, spirit, outside time and space, creator of everything, including time and space. So how are you going to test for the existence of God using uh, material scientific means? It's not happening. You can't put the two together. Now, we have evidence for the existence of God, and we also know that the Bible says that God exists, and there really is no such thing as an atheist because they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So when people are going to start making these kind of errors, they'll just start bringing out some of the gospel because the bottom line is it's a spiritual problem and not intellectual. But category mistakes kind of fun to point out, and I think the most common one is trying to use Material means to express non-material, like uh, lab equipment to detect for God. <laughs> or scientists have been trying to find where uh, isolated parts of the brain and stuff. Where is the soul? And they're doing some scientific research on this. Where is the soul? And where is where do you find ethics and logic you're not going to find the the logic gland or hey look right there behind the this gland that's where uh, the soul resides no it doesn't happen that way and using material and immaterial and by the way i'm not too fond of immaterial because it has two meanings as in immaterial as in it doesn't matter or it's not physical Sort of like uh, some of these supernatural shows, Ghost Hunters. I used to watch that, and they're trying to find ways to detect for spirits. Wait, wait, 
Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Just kidding. Sorry. The door <laughs> shut. By the way, one Wait, thing I did like about that show was back when I was into UFOs, I learned something from UFO researchers. They said, first look for the natural before you go for something supernatural. And that's true. These ghost hunters would say, well, the door closes at certain times. And they found a wind tunnel of sorts. You open the front door when the, and then the back door would shut. And they do look for all these natural things. But when you start getting a voice on the thing, okay, then you might be tapping into the demonic. So even though it's a bit of a category error to try to detect for spirits using physical apparatus, then... Uh, that's only because something spiritual is making itself known in the material realm. Right. So I'm doing a little rabbit trail on my own. <laughs> I was just getting into the spirit of the thing. Well, you're you're kind of punny. <laughs> so, okay, so when somebody busts out a logical fallacy, how do you bring it to their attention and then tactfully... Uh, uh, you know, deal with it. Well, basically, I call him a doodoo head. And a lot of this, and we've covered this before, too, that you have to just use your common sense and discernment and say, uh, is somebody being serious? And do they really want answers? And you could say, well, I'd like to discuss the evidence for the existence of God, but however, you are committing the category error and explain that to them, and then you can go into some other areas and uh, discuss the gospel with them. Or if somebody's going to say, if, if most of these things are mean-spirited and do an ad hominem and poison the well and appeal to ridicule and four or five others, think, uh, I think it's time to just move on because you don't want to discuss stuff. But if somebody's just doing something, you can choose to let it go because it's really not that important because they're appealing to your pride by calling you a stupid creationist or it's, it's very much up to discernment and your amount of time and how you feel led by God for that matter. Sometimes I'll be hit with some of these things that are just very mean-spirited, and I'm on my way to bed, and I'm not going to deal with this. Hide the comment and let him think that he's got me. So, uh, changing gears, tell me about, tell me about this uh, question evolution project. Okay, that started out with, uh, in fact, if you go to the question evolution campaign area of uh, creation.com, uh, my comment, the second one down there, they had just launched this thing apparently, and I said, somebody should start Question Evolution Day. Well, that's what happens. You want to be somebody, you say somebody should do it, and you become somebody because you have to do it. I established Question Evolution Day. We're coming up on the fifth annual. That's February 12th, and I think it's more important now than ever. And that's just to get people to stop and think and question evolution and to get other people to unite, especially online, 
or in communities, maybe even at a church event, show a video, but post articles and links and things like that and say, no, we don't believe molecules to man evolution. And so I spearheaded the first one. It was a little too little too late, but I created a page or did it evolve by chance on Facebook that was uh, Question Evolution Day. And I thought, okay, day's done. Now what do I do? People are going to just forget about this thing. And eventually I somehow came up with the term Question Evolution Project. And because I didn't want it to look like a one-trick pony and and let people know this is a resource for creationist materials. And so it went from there, and I've got it on mostly on Facebook. Uh, Google Plus I don't think is all that popular, and I don't have very many followers on there, but I try to mirror it to some extent. I've also got a Twitter account, but I'm not, I use that mainly for announcements. Right, right. What can you really say with 140 characters? You know what I mean? Yeah, and then you can use that TwitLonger or some of those services where you can start to say something, then they click a link and follow it and get the rest of your essay. Then you get the too long, didn't read response. So what's the point? Oh boy, yeah. I might, I might uh, want to have you come back on when uh, the Question Evolution Day is coming up, and uh, maybe we can do another podcast. Maybe something along the lines of uh, twenty questions you should ask your atheist friend on the Question Evolution Day, or something like that. That could be fun. Well, we'll see how it goes. Unless you get a bunch of uh, letters and things saying, <laughs> "Hey, this guy stinks on ice. Don't have him back." <laughs> yeah, okay, you're right. <laughs> I highly doubt that. Well, uh, but now, like now my, that you said it, if, if they like my cartoon voices or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, now that you said it, though, I'm sure somebody's going to say something just to mess with me. But, um, yeah, it's, okay, so Piltdown Superman. Your website, PiltdownSuperman.com. Com or is it dot org? I forgot. Dot com. Dot com. What's up with that name? First of all, where in the world did you come up with Piltdown Superman? And uh, what's up with that website? Well, you don't see his picture much on there anymore. But the mascot is uh, the Piltdown Man, which was a fraud. In fact, I just finished doing a post about that. Uh, that was pure fraud. Established in 1912, oh, look, we found definite proof of a link between humans and apes. And it fooled the scientific establishment for 40 years. There were some doubters, but they were shouted down. And pure fraud, people bought into it. People were willing to resort to fraud to prove evolution. Well, for that matter, uh, there are evolutionists who have said flat out, it's okay to use fraud as long as, or lie to the students or whatever, as long as we can get them to believe in evolution. So I used, hmm. um, there was a song by the late great heavy metal singer Ronnie James Dio. Um, he had a song called Sunset Superman. Like, that's got a nice rhythm to it. 
So I okay, and I just plug in tilt down Superman, and I using this as a reminder of how evolutionists have been fooled by fraud, and they're still being fooled by fraud or conducting bad science even today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's funny, too. You know, when I was growing up, Piltdown Man had been uh, shown to be a fraud long ago, long ago and far away, but it was still in the textbooks. I mean, that was something that I remember hearing about in school. Um, well, along with a whole host of other things that had been proven wrong, like uh, Hegel's drawings and uh, peppered moths and so many other things that have been shown to be um, uh, fakes and frauds, Nebraska man uh, being nothing more than a pig's tooth. <laughs> yeah. And Mrs. But, Nebraska uh, man and the entire uh, backdrop of where he lived and everything came from a single tooth, and then tooth is an extinct pig, in the, or at least extinct in that area. Hey, they even knew what his wife looked like Yeah, from that tooth. Aren't scientists clever? <laughs> well, um, okay, another thing I want to ask you about. I know you have a podcast. I don't know if you're still doing those or not, but uh, tell, tell my listeners about that podcast. I wasn't happy with the idea. Well, first of all, I don't do them anymore because even though people are saying, hey, you got to do a podcast, and I'll listen to it. Okay, and I do the thing, and I'll check back six months later, and it said, okay, 30 views. Uh, it takes a long time to, for me to prep these things up, but I put a little more work into them than I need to. Um, people asked me to do it. I, it wasn't being, it wasn't much popularity to it, and I mean, I would do, I did it in video format, because it's much easier to share on Facebook and other social media than <clears throat> links to MP3s, and people want the visuals. And I would time stuff and put in various pictures. Sometimes I just have, like, um, there are some podcasts I've come across that are put up in video format, and it's just the logo of the ministry or site. That's it. Mm. Okay, I'm taking a cue from that, but I can't let it go with just nothing. Uh, at first, I used to put them on <clears throat> MP3s and load them up separately, but people weren't uh, downloading those, so I stopped that. But I had fun with that. I used them for logical fallacies. I'm, now, the, here's a little jumping around. TiltDownSuperman.com. Go to the tab on the top for logical fallacies or logic lessons and click on that, it'll take you to my older site that existed before Piltdown Superman. In fact, I was far from the Lord when I started this. I was very backslidden, and I started Stormbringer's Thunder. And Stormbringer came from a song by, like I think it was 1974, it was by Deep Purple. And it's mm. about uh, tornadoes and storms and stuff, and it's a really great driving rock and roll. And I didn't know about the Michael Moorcock talking sword fantasy series So when I did that. But you'll go there, you'll find the logic lessons on that, and you might even get to, uh, I don't even remember what I call it because I changed the name. It used to be a soldier for Jesus, but biblical creation and evangelism. And so I've got three blogs, and they can find those if they go to cowboybobsorensen.com. I registered that to make sure nobody else did. 
but it that's a sort of a central hub for everything that I do. But the uh, everything's linked on my sites. You go to the uh, PiltdownSuperman.com, and there's a badge there, so you can find the Facebook and Google Plus pages. Suggested sites has yeah, it's got my other three plus some other stuff that I contribute to also. So yeah, if people want to find my stuff, they can get to it. And there's also a, a link down at the bottom for contact me. It's not really a link because it so spam bots can't get it. Contact um, and I spell it out with the word at in parentheses instead of the at symbol. So yeah, yeah. So you got the one site, uh, Stormbringer. No wait, yeah, it is Stormbringer zero zero five at blog or dot blogspot dot com. Uh, really, if 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 you just go to piltdownsuperman.com, you can pretty much get everywhere from there. Whether you want to look at the logic lessons, and by the way, guys, if if you want to check out these logic lessons, uh, go to that piltdownsuperman.com website, and there there's a link at the top right hand corner for uh, logic lessons, and there is quite a few in here to look at. Yeah, I want to mention that a lot of these things, they're created out of self-defense. I kept running into this stuff, and I want to look it up. And then I want to help equip Christians so they can not be buffaloed. Amen to that. It happens. Well, cool. Uh, Bob, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been an honor. It's been a blast. Well, it's been fun for me. I mean, you know, I love to talk, especially if it's on something <laughs> I'm familiar with. All right, guys, that was Bob Sorensen of uh, his website, PiltdownSuperman.com. And you know what? If you can just remember that website, PiltdownSuperman.com, when you get to his website, there's links to all of his other websites, uh, his Question Evolution Project, uh, his Stormbringer Thunder website. It's all there. So check it out. Thanks for listening, guys. This has been the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Oh,